This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. I'm so glad to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in a few minutes, there's a new scam taking advantage of your generous heart. I'm going to tell you how it works and how to protect yourself and your wallet. And coming up yet later, the banks are having a big problem right now with bad debt with credit cards. I'm going to tell you how it affects you even if you pay on time every time. So the job market is very, very strong obviously. Uh, The measure that I look at is not the headline number that's thrown out at us. I look at something known as U6. It is the number that economists all study because U6 takes into account people who are involuntarily part-time, people who've given up looking for work. In other words, takes the whole universe of living, breathing adults and takes that number instead of the much more narrow official number of unemployment. And that number has come down, 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 down to the point where it's pretty clear to me that there's a lot of opportunity for people that they're missing out on. That you, if you're in a job that feels dead-ended, if you're in a place that you feel like you're just not getting anywhere, that the money you're getting isn't keeping up with your life's expenses, then you need to maybe think in two different ways outside your current box. One is, and this is one that used to be common in America, but seems very seldom today, where people used to pick up and move to where the opportunity was better or the cost of living was lower. And the reality is today, there's a lot of places in the country where it costs a lot less to live and the number of jobs available that don't require a college degree is quite large. And so that dollar can go so much further for you. I know so much of the media attention is focused on the East Coast dynamic markets, the West Coast dynamic markets, and then somehow they think Austin, Texas is on the East Coast or West Coast because it's in every story about the dynamic job environment in the country. But gosh, you know, there's a lot of America out there that is between the bookends of the East Coast and the West Coast with much cheaper housing that you can buy, much cheaper housing you can rent, Lots of jobs available, and a lot of things that don't necessarily require a college degree, but pay very well if you go get some technical college or maybe two years of college at a community college. So I want you to to 
take both of those ideas in hand because the job market is so favorable that you want to seize opportunity while it exists. And it may mean you have to force yourself out of your comfort zone or your zip code or a combination of both of those to really have a great opportunity going forward. I've got a list at Clark.com of the jobs that are most in demand that do not require a college degree and thus pay really good pay rates. That might be really useful reading for you about where the future opportunity lies for you and your wallet. Joe joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Joe. Hey, Clark. Long-time listener, and thank you for what you do. Certainly. Joe, um, you have a math formula you want to run by me, so let's see how good I am at math. Okay. We're trying to figure out, Clark, my wife and I, to find the best cell phone plan. We're currently on two separate plans. We like to get on the same one, and there's so many options out there. I've read you know, lots of information from your website. Um, I think the key thing for us is that we're both uh, 55 years old, and I know there's some plans that um, are friendly in that regard, and I'm wondering if that might be the way that we should go. Well, tell me anything else about your background. Any associations you're a member of? Um, have you ever been um, in the military? Anything like that? Yes, so I am a veteran. Okay, all right, that's good. All right. Uh, I don't know if this matters, but uh, I do take advantage of USAA. I'm not aware of anything that they offer by phones. USAA offers, as I recall, a, a minimal cell phone discount, but nothing major. I mean, the the big price points have been either going with one of the prepaid carriers that are captives of the bigs, which are being like Cricket that is part of AT&T, or going with um, Metro by T-Mobile. Obviously, that's T-Mobile's discount. Uh, Sprint has one called Boost Mobile, and then uh, Verizon has one called Total Wireless. So with any of these, you're going to get better prices. But because you you said you're 55, right? Yes, we both are. And you have the military background. That opens up two possibilities with both T-Mobile and Sprint. So with uh, T-Mobile, the 55-plus that Sprint has copied is two lines unlimited everything for 70 a month. Mm-hmm. But the real deal is for military families. How many family members or friends do you think you could drag in to be part of a plan with you? Yeah, probably not much. Um, we have one daughter. She's kind of on her own, but I mean, if there's anything for three people, that's usually not much of a attention grabber. <laughs> Yeah, so with T-Mobile, three people is 90 a month Oh, if you have military background. So it's 30 a line, unlimited everything, and you get free Netflix. Wow. But the, the thing about the military plan is that the more family members you come up with, the better it is. Like uh, six family members is 120 a month or 20 a month per person. Wow. So they make it really, really cheap as you add more people with a military background. 
okay, well, I could possibly talk to some of my, you know, my family members into joining because that's, that's really competitive. Yeah, it's the best deal going, and I think it's really neat that they do this for as an appreciation for active duty military personnel and former military personnel. And so all you have to have is you have to have proof your DD-214 is prior military. And they let you go ahead and sign up even when you don't have the documentation and you just have to, within six weeks, provide them the documentation. If you don't, then they retroactively bill you a lot of money. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But it's great because they've got this scale here that you can just move across and you see what it costs for one, two, three, four, and then past the fourth, it's $10 a person a month. Okay. So it's the it is a screaming deal. And yeah, I, great. I, I don't know if you ever travel internationally, but it includes free international unlimited texting and data. Yes, I, I do. Not not a lot, but enough. Um, can I ask you a related question, Clark, sure. about the phone, the phone itself? Absolutely. Okay, so <laughs> don't laugh me off the air, but my wife actually still has an iPhone four. <laughs> so we're looking to upgrade it. She probably need to stick with the iPhone just because of ease of use for her. She's not a heavy data user. Um, do you have an opinion on like any of the refurbished iPhones through like Best Buy or something like that, or through Apple itself? Well, actually, if you go to a new company, they'll probably give her an iPhone. Oh wow! Uh, you know the iPhones have been selling so poorly that uh, Apple has been backdoor discounting through the cell phone carriers at all kinds of deals like i just pulled up right now since we were talking about the t-mobile military thing they'll give her a free iphone 10r um, over 24 months just for coming to them so they they give you a credit every single month towards the phone till it's free oh wow that's great and you'd find a similar thing with most of the carriers, because um, you know Apple, unfortunately, is having a real hard time selling phones right now. Mm-hmm. So I would take advantage, get the deal, and thank you for your service to the country that gets you these deals. Jim joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Jim. Hey, how are you? Great, thank you, Jim. How can I serve you? Uh, thanks. Well, I want to. Um... My uh, my uncles uh, and some family members lent me money a few years ago when my dad passed away to pay for his funeral. Oh, I'm so sorry you lost your dad. Thank you. Uh, I couldn't have had a better father. That's awesome. Unfortunately, I wasn't in a position to to pay for his funeral, and um, they uh, they helped me out. They each lent me a few hundred bucks, uh, five hundred bucks each. I want to repay them. A uh, couple of things. It's been a little over three and a half years, so I wanted to, you know, offer them interest and figure out. I want to ask you one: what was the standard interest rate? And two, you know, there were three uncles. At least one or two of them might not want to accept my repayment um, out of the kindness of their hearts, but I, I want to make it hard for them not to accept. So I was thinking maybe I could send it via a funded check or something uh, through my bank or something. But so I guess two questions: one. Uh, if you could give me any insight into what a good interest rate would be and a good interest rate calculator. So the IRS um, puts out a guideline every 30 days on what an interest rate has to be, what the interest rate has to be that you charge a family member or 
you know, a friend or whatever. And over the last few years, it's a pretty safe bet that you're good at 2% interest for a family-to-family loan. Well, that would be a little uh, insulting to them, but I'm not sure if it's like the, the rate they would have gotten if they had, um, they would they, they were kind, but I mean, like, I want to respect them. Yeah, if they, put, um, if they had put money three years ago into a savings account, they would be earning a lot less than 2%. Okay. So I was thinking maybe uh, if it was in a, a ETF or something, but. Well, you know, I mean, if you wanted to do something that felt more on target you could do five percent there'd be no legal requirement to do that but five percent would be the reasonable percent and with the uncles that you don't think will accept the money i wouldn't force it on them what i would do if they don't want to do it you what i would say is i'd like to give a donation to your favorite charity in your honor who would you like that money to go to and give the money to a charity for them Okay, that's a nice. That's okay. That's. I mean, I was thinking maybe some kids' college funds or something. But yeah, either one. I'll, I'll offer them. Thank you. I appreciate that. And then, do you recommend maybe my, my bank will do a funded check? You don't need to do a funded check. I mean, this is to a okay. relative. Just send them a regular check. Okay. There's no right. reason for you to do any kind of cashier's check or anything like that. Because this is a family-to-family thing. You know, they did something out of um, grief at the loss of your dad, and they put up the money so you could do the funeral. Uh, they, they, did, they did what you would hope family would do and rally around at the time of a loved one's loss. And so you're doing a really neat thing. None of them probably ever expect to see a penny from you ever for what they did. And it's a really classy thing you're doing paying them so just sending them a regular check gets it done today's clark rageous moment is one of those things that just absolutely makes me wonder about some people because i believe that most of us are good in our hearts and souls we don't always do the right thing most of us are good but then there are people who are really rotten and you'll see it in today's clark rageous moment Rip-offs. Outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. There is a holiday scam that we usually only see starting around Thanksgiving through the new year that for some reason this year popped up in the spring and is continuing. It is where you get solicited, usually by phone, from someone pretending They're seeking donations for people who are public safety officers, police officers, firefighters, any kind of first responders. And this scam is, and why is it a scam? It's a scam because the money is not actually going to any police officers or firefighters or anything like that, according to published reports. So I want you to know that this is a scam that has been around for decades. The only thing that's really unusual is everything with the scam going on right now involves doing things the old-fashioned way. An actual human calling you on the phone, mailing you 
a contribution envelope to mail back in your donation. Think how odd that is today with how much is done automated, how much is donations online and all that. But again, this is not a legitimate request. And know that when you are solicited by any organization, any organization, it's really important for you to know, are they legit? How well do they spend the money? Do they spend it wisely? And I've got at Clark.com three different guides. You can use whichever one feels most comfortable to you that will help you figure out whether someone soliciting you is actually from a legitimate charity or not. That's test number one. Then test number two, even a legitimate charity can be very poorly run, very inefficient with donations. The second test is are they good with the money they receive? Do they spend it wisely? And that's why I've got these guides. So you will not only be able to make them pass the first test, but the second as well with your hard-earned money. It's great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. You have a question for me? Go to clark.com slash ask. So I got a, a notice the other day from a credit card company that I have a credit card from asking me to verify various things. They wanted to know current income and various other questions they asked me. And this didn't just happen ad hoc. This is part of a fear-based thing going on with the big banks that issue most of the credit cards in the United States. The Federal Reserve's just reported that uh, bad debt on credit cards is skyrocketing right now. And so banks are seeing an enormous number of people go delinquent on credit cards and a lot of people being charged off. And so the amount of credit card bad debt has pretty much doubled in the last, I'm looking at this Federal Reserve chart, doubled in the last two years. So there are a number of factors that have led to this. One is that uh, people have felt more confident, maybe treated themselves a little too much. It's kind of like going out, uh, having too much fun out on Saturday night and having a really tough Sunday morning hangover. That seems to be part of the pattern of what's going on with credit cards, that people are not being as careful and ending up in a status where you can't pay the bills and ultimately that debt is charged off. So uh, you will see more and more letters come out of the blue from a credit card company reducing your credit limit and or telling you they've closed your account without notice. That just happened to one of our staffers on Clark.com that out of nowhere she got a letter advising her that her account had been closed. And she's got a credit score above 800. But that wasn't enough to protect her from them dumping her as a customer. So there are several defensive things I want you to think about as the banks get scared from these charge-offs. One, I talk about back-of-the-wallet cards. If you have credit cards you've kind of forgotten about, 
and you haven't been using them, you are a big target for a cancellation notice. And so that's why if you've heard me talk about how you should strategically use even a card that's not important to you anymore a couple of times a year, this is a key tip-off that you should do that because the people who they send those no-notice letters to closing accounts are people who've let the cards go inactive. That's the first sweep that they do. Second, I want to emphasize again, as I did recently, you don't want to have all your credit cards with one issuer, i.e. multiple cards from American Express or multiple cards from Chase or multiple cards from Citibank or whatever, because if they go into panic mode and start reining in people's credit lines, you could see your credit score devastated because the amount of your available credit that you use accounts for roughly a third of what makes up your credit score. If you have lots of cards with one issuer and they all at once come in and kill credit limits, then your credit score could drop more than 100 points all at once. So I would like for you not just to have a couple of cards. I want you to make sure those couple of cards are from different companies so that if one of them goes into panic mode, odds that both of them would do it to you at the same time or near equal time, very unlikely. If you get a notice from a card company that they're doing something to you, like canning your card or cutting your limit, it would be really a good idea for you to go apply for another card from obviously another financial institution, maybe a credit union, quickly before it starts to devastate your credit score. Chad is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Chad. Hello, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, just wanted to let you know what an honor and privilege it is to, to be on the air with you and to, and to talk to you, and thank you for all you do. Well, that is so kind of you to say thank you. So I've got two sons, uh, one seven, and I am looking for the best way to get them to start a habit of, of saving. I was thinking about getting them a savings account with my credit union or possibly an online bank, if that's a, if that's a possible solution. Uh, what, what are your thoughts? Well, the online bank would be better, but usually the online banks will not issue accounts till typically age 18. So the other advantage, though, of going to the credit union is you take your 13-year-old and 7-year-old with you, and they're there. It makes it more real if they're there uh, being part of opening their savings accounts. And they, you know, the credit union is like a physical place they get to see, and each month they get to see the statement. And there's so much relevant teaching that can go on with that about the concept of interest and how as you add money and uh, the more money you add, the more interest you're going to earn and on like that. And so I like the idea of doing the credit union savings. What is the goal with the money with the savings account? What ultimately do you hope that money is used for by your 13-year-old, 7-year-old? So especially with my 13-year-old, um, I know he wants to start saving for a car um, as he gets a little bit older and, and that sort of thing. And I remember when I was about that age, I had, I had the, same, the same kind of thing, and that really helped me out, you know, once I started working and, and all of that. So I wasn't thinking this in terms of, um, you know, like 
an education fund or, or anything like that at this point. That's just fine. I was just trying to get a gauge as to whether either of them should be in any kind of investment account instead of a savings account. For the seven-year-old, okay. where the use of the money would be further down the road, I'm gathering, mm-hmm. seven-year-old might benefit from having an investment account. And then there's not only great teaching available, but also the potential to have a lot more money later than you're going to ever earn in a savings account at a credit union or anywhere else. And so I I like the idea. I don't know if you do business with anybody like Charles Schwab or Fidelity Investments. Do you do business with either of them? I Yeah, I have... Um... I had an old 401k that's with uh, that's with Fidelity, so I do have an account with them. So I think it would be great to split this uh, if you're willing to t- put the time in for it, but take the seven-year-old to Fidelity and open a Fidelity investment account, because that will generate more money for your seven-year-old over time, and the accounts for kids generally have no minimum. And I would put your seven-year-old in the Fidelity Zero Fund, which is a fund that has no commissions and no ongoing fees at all. Fidelity absorbs all the fees. So even with the first dollar, your seven-year-old can be an investor in the 500 largest companies in the country. Okay, interesting. Thank you for that. So I would... would, uh, Definitely have your 13-year-old being jealous of your 7-year-old. Because <laughs> 13-year-old has a three-year need for the money, which does need to be saved. The 7-year-old doesn't have that short window, and that's why I would like the 7-year-old to be an investor, not a saver. Sarah is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Sarah. Hey, Clark. How are you doing? Great. Thank you, Sarah. How can I serve you? Okay, so I need your professional opinion. Um, I've asked family members the same question. I've got conflicting advice. Um, So just want to get your opinion. So do you have pen and paper? I do. Okay. So I have about $80,000 to $90,000 in school loan debt from my bachelor's and master's degree since I graduated in 2013. And is that $80,000 to $90,000? Is that... In all federal, or is it a mix of federal and private loans? Honestly, I'm not 100% because I consolidated with the company, um, and I'm doing the income-based repayment plan. Okay. Um, I have, like, a lawyer who does my loan application every year and has me in, like, a government program. Okay. So I'm not 100% on, you know, what it's broken down into. All right, I'm going to want you after we talk to dig more into it because one of the things that is going to be a decision tree for you is based on what kind of interest rates you're paying mm-hmm. on these loans mm-hmm. and exactly how much you owe. But go forward. So you got eighty to 90000 okay. student loan debt from yeah. graduating six and years ago. Correct. And so my monthly payment on that IBR plan is about four eighty a month. Um, and then last year I bought a second house and so I'm currently renting my beach house out and I do have a mortgage on it. It's about a thousand a month that I pay, um, on my mortgage payment, but my rental income is 2000. So I'm, you know, netting, um, a thousand a month on that, 
which last year after I, you know, did my taxes and looked at everything, I made about six grand off of it. So that's the first part. The second part is as far as what's left on the mortgage, that's about $82,000 left on that rental. And so what I looked at on these like online, you know, um, property manager sites says it's about um, 350000 That's what it's worth. That's fantastic. So, so I could make about 200000 or excuse me, 268000 off of it roughly um, just going by that. So the question is, should I keep my rental or sell it and pay off my student loan debt and then potentially invest whatever's left over, you know, maybe in another rental or, you know, stock market, something like that. So at first glance, I would say keep the income producing property. Okay. Because if you take um, the net of it and you put it towards your student loan balance every month, you're going to help so much with lowering the outstanding balance on the student loans You'll lower the effective interest carry you have every month on them, and you will pretty quickly have a serious impact on the student loan debt. And ultimately, you'll continue to be able to have the income-producing property, Mm -hmm. and so you won't have liquidated it, and ultimately, the rental property will help you pay off those student loans. Okay, right. So uh, I know it would feel great to just have the student loans vanish. It would. <laughs> but uh, I don't I don't hear something compelling that would make it worth selling a, a extremely cash flow positive rental property. Well, I think part of the concern is too like it being so close to the beach and being in a flood zone with all the hurricanes, you know, that we're getting, I just that's one of my fears with that particular property. So yeah, and we can't but, control you know. we can't control what the weather's going to do. Yeah, um, and so the real question that you have to answer is: Do you like being a landlord? Do you like having mm-hmm. this? If if you like having it, then the math on it seems to make sense to keep it. Now okay. there is one factor though that you could not answer for me that would potentially change my answer. And that Mm -hmm. is, after we hang up, I want you to go dig in and find out exactly what your balance is and what the uh, interest rate is on this consolidation. If the Mm -hmm. interest rate on your loans is above 6%, then it might make sense to do what you're leaning towards, which is to sell the property and wipe out the student loans. On the other hand, if your interest rate is below 5 that would be kind of a trigger that you would only sell the property if you want to be rid of it. Okay, gotcha. I would kind of use that as a guideline because the interest cost carry on those student loans is a factor because you've got to overcome whatever that interest rate is as essentially a rate of return on your investment in the real estate rental home. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Mary's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Mary. How are you doing? Hi, Clark Howard. I'm good. How are you? Great. Thank you. So you have a high school junior. I do. I um, have listened to you for a long time and gotten great advice through the years. Thank you. Um, And I'm at the point where um, I have a junior who will be headed off to college, and we have saved some money in a 529. Um, But I have also read and heard anecdotally that there are a lot of smaller scholarship dollars that are out there, um, and that if you do a good job looking for them, you can start to accumulate some money. But when I started to do that research, I also kind of came across some sites that look like they were probably more about making money than giving money. And so I'm looking for some information, anything that you could give me as I start to get started, um, both to avoid anything that might um, not be um, legitimate, but also good places to look or strategies. Just any advice you have, really. I got it. So Uh, One thing you did pick up on, almost every single place you go on the internet looking for scholarships is a scam site or sleazy. (laughs) Great. (laughs) So it's just because of parents' desperation, how are we going to pay for this thing? And so you end up in the clutches of the crooks or the shady types. So there is one site that has stood the test of time for years that is a real good clearinghouse for what I've always called micro-scholarships. These are scholarships that you pick up $500, or you pick up $750, that kind of thing. And it's called fastweb.com. Okay, I've seen that one, but I didn't know how to tell the difference between what was good and what was not, so that's good news. And fastweb, the thing about it, it's really designed and geared toward not you doing the work, but towards mm-hmm. your high school junior doing the work. Gotcha. Okay. And, you know, that's Set as it should off. be. Yeah, he's <laughs> the one who, you know, I think that if you make it clear that what doesn't close the gap, he's going to have to come up with, then suddenly he's much more focused on writing the essays and applying <laughs> for all these scholarships. Yeah, that should work. <laughs> so, he does He does know that's the case. I just have to convince him that every dollar counts. Well, and that's why the beauty of him getting started on FastWeb is that he's the one who, the more uh, applications he does, the more thinking he puts into the process in terms of the essays he may be required to write, the more money he's going to shake from the money tree. I will tell you, we've had some complaints from people that they get spammed a lot after they register on FastWeb, but other people have been really lucky with picking up those micro-scholarships. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. 
Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com. 